All right, shall we go on to our next movie then? Before we we move on, you watched the the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring behind the scenes. Yes, well, at least I did. You logged it. How was I did, that? Yes, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I've seen all. Well, of them. the it depends. Well, okay, because I don't think this is the one that you think that I watched. Because I didn't watch the ones with cast interviews. Then what did you watch? The one was lit. It was like an hour and a half of like B roll. It, it was similar to the uh, one about Phantom Menace that I really like. It's it's just a bunch of B-roll mixed with a lot of like, you know, not interviews, just sort of camera walking in on crew members doing their thing. You know, Oh, I haven't seen this. Yeah, it's on. It was free on YouTube. But the one that you're talking about, I was going to watch next. Yes. Why? Why? OK, you should watch that. We'll talk about that whenever you do. Okay. How was it? Like, was it insightful into like the filmmaking yes. process for you? God. Well, because I know th- these these movies are relatively low budget for the, the range, you know, uh, mm. as far as uh, a wide release goes, but still blows my mind. Just the the meticulous effort into every facet of the production. There was one point where Peter Jackson is filming a scene with, you know, the whole crew in a f- fucking mountain and he's on the walkie talkie relaying a message to his assistant who relays the message to the art team. And he's just in the middle of takes saying, nope. Uh, we need Bor Bormir is going to need a travel bag, and this is Peter Jackson rejecting the first draft. And I'm just like, this man is rejecting drafts for a bag that we'll see maybe for a few seconds, but he, I just, I can't imagine the work behind those movies, and it shows. But the more and more, the deeper and deeper I get into it, I'm just, ugh. God. Well, I mean, there's the on the extended edition of all those. Yeah. They have the like the three hours long. They're as long as the movies themselves of the behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And I'm assuming it's they just had a behind the scenes crew on there, and they had so much footage they probably just released a, more of it. Is what you watch? Well, yeah, because that's and what then, I'm getting is the the extended edition box set. Right, and the the actual behind the scenes features, which can be watched all as one or their featurettes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, those essentially like taught me, those were my film school when I first started. Oh uh, yeah. Going through, cause they go through the writing process, the adapting process, the casting, everything. It is yeah. unsurpassed in cinema history for behind the scenes material on a film. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I'm very excited about that because, um, the more and more I'm like, you know, just looking through what what I have, I'm just I'm, the more and more I just realize just how much of a miracle these movies are. Yeah, I think we talked at, at one point. Maybe we should uh, do a rewatch on uh, the podcast. Talk about. Oh, it. yeah, I, I pitched it to you. I think it'd be yeah. fun to watch yeah. all three of them. We could do that. Yeah. I want to. I'm that. still reading the third book. And they are good books, too. For the record, you you need to be in the right mindset to get into them. Yeah, they're yeah. not for everyone. If if you have a great imagination, they're imag- they're pretty good books. The uh, those are long movies. And speaking of long movies, oh, we fuck. we watched Greed, which is a 1924 film, silent film, mm-hmm. by the written and directed by Eric von Stroheim. 
and it was based was off that of Sunset a, Boulevard. Yes, yes, the Butler yes. Sunset Boulevard. You don't know this, but he was in uh, the Grand Illusion. He's been a bunch of other movies that I haven't seen, but those are the two I have. Yeah, and it was based on a eighteen ninety nine novel by author Frank Norris called McTeague, which is a terrible name for a novel. Never name a novel <laughs> after a character. It tells you nothing about the story. I sorry, You're I had not to comment wrong. on that. You're and not wrong. It is. And it tells, is a terrible name. Yeah. Greed is that was an improvement. That was maybe Eric von Stroheim's biggest piece of genius. Yeah. But it is it tells the story of John McTeague, who starts out as a minor and then becomes a dentist and then marries, and there's money problems along the way. And I'm not really sure how else to describe this film, which is Yeah. Well, I think we should I think uh... What's we have important? to talk about the history of this. Yeah, we do. We get to definitely have to talk about the history. So Eric von Straheim originally created this film and the original cut of this film was nine and a half hours long. And it was screened to 10 people. It was screened to a public. Afternoon. Yeah. Nine and a half hours long. And I think it was a a somewhat Irving Thal, Thalbarg. Mm-hmm. Irving Thalbarg was... They had run into each other before. He was a producer on another project of his, and he took away the uh, control over that project and got uh, Stroheim fired. And Stroheim left that and went over to MGM to make Greed. And then a few years, and then down the line, Thalbar arrived, took over at MGM, and then took over the project again from Stroheim after the nine-hour cut was at uh, was shown. <laughs> Yes, which blows my mind because I was going to blow my brains out at four hours. <laughs> well, OK, so there's this there's a nine hour edit, which is now yes. lost in time forever. Yes, unfortunately. And then the studio cut it down to 140 minutes and there was a reconstruction uh, like in a decade or so. by Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, two decades ago. And this is the most unique reconstruction Yes. Of a film I've ever seen. And this is this is the one we both watched because initially this is I, for rent on Amazon Prime. Probably yes. the easiest way of attaining it. Yeah, I joked that I'd watch the two and a, two hour version, mm-hmm. but I don't know what compelled me. I thought, no, I'm going to see it in the most complete way possible. So I rented the four hour version, and when Jacob says this is unique. It's because I'd say a good third of the movie, if not more, is it's, more. it's oh god, more than okay, more. A good half of the movie is reconstructed using stills from lost footage. And inner titles. Stills and inner titles. Stills, inner titles, post zooms. So it's literally still still images of scenes that are lost to history. With the titles thrown in between. And this is my biggest problem with the movie. I, I, okay. This movie reminded me a lot of the Magnificent Ambersons. Obviously. Uh, And Mm. interestingly enough, uh, this movie is at one point was Orson Welles favorite movie. He had seen the two hour version, mind you. Uh, but it reminded me a lot of the Magnificent Ambersons in in that I can see the potential there. 
the Magnificent Ambersons, it's potential that you have to assume, whereas this, it's potential that you are shown. But yeah, I disagree with you there, but I I can't. I'm looking at all the stuff that was cut from the, the two hour version. I think that sh- is the, the better movie because I it's so hard to get behind just still images. And I feel bad that his movie was cut, but this is an unfinished movie. And I should you do not need to see all four hours of this. If we were to do this again, knowing what we know now. Yes. I think we should have watched the shorter version. Uh huh. And then if one of us was feeling particularly crazy, could have watched the longer Jacob. version just for some context. It would be Jacob. One of uh, us. Yes, it, it would have been. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I need that two hour version eventually to put more context into this because that's the version that people are voting on for yes. this, this list. Yes. And with the version I saw, even with the just considering the footage there, I didn't didn't really care for this film. Neither did I. And I feel bad saying that. I do, I guess, but I don't because I know the history of film is often checkered with these these films that are homework films. Yes, it's a homework. It's a film that is its reputation has grown as it, it builds up this kind of presence in a room like. You know, regardless, like when you hear about someone, you hear so much and then you're in the same room. It doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of person that person is. That could be the shittiest person in the world. But you are in this presence of someone you've heard so much about. Right. And there's this immediate reaction to that. You kind of have to get over that. And I was kind of disappointed, honestly, at some points of the film. I was it. I don't know where to begin with this because it's so long and there's so much. It's so long and I th- this was the runtime was not justified. It really wasn't. And I feel bad saying that. But the thing is, at at, at some point when I was watching this, I felt bad. So I'm like, I feel like we uh, the, the silent films we had so far on this list get a bad rep um, just because obviously they tend to feel like homework films and you have mm-hmm. to understand the context. But then I, I, I just out of curiosity, I'm like, okay, let me go through the silent films. I really enjoy uh, uh, the general um, city lights, the gold rush uh, sunrise in all those movies. I was watching them. I'm like, okay, there are elements of uh, this where you need to know the history, but I'm still entertained. There yes. are, there are, visual gags they make full use of the sets and the characters and uh, there's some impressive cinematography given the time greed is just boring (laughs) it's a film where i like i look at it and i see perhaps influences regarding storytelling yeah but that doesn't make it good because there are films like quentin tarantino has stolen a lot of stuff from bad movies it doesn't make those movies good just because they're influential yes. on his work. And I'm not saying this movie's bad. I don't think Greed is bad. No, it's, it's very just... good for the time. And considering the time it was made, considering like if I was Orson Welles back in the, the 30s mm-hmm. or whenever watching this, I'd be like, wow, this is really cool. Because it is, it's certainly unique in the pantheon of silent films. It's it trying is. something different. It's very ambitious um, as well. It's like if... The, it's like the precursor to The Godfather, but in a very 
crude way. Yeah. It's like beginning cinema. And there were so many ideas in this that I have seen later on, but, and I feel bad saying this, but it's true. They've just been done so much better. They really have. And, but that's the thing is that, um, uh, I didn't know until you just said that this was, uh, adapted from a novel. And the whole time I was watching this movie, I thought, damn, this is a really good book. <laughs> this would be an amazing book, but it is boring as a movie. Um, I think a huge part of that is the best silent movies are the ones where it is like it leans so heavily on the visual language that the 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 text only comes when it's mandatory. This is yeah. just a regular movie with so much dialogue i was gonna say that i found new appreciation for <laughs> chaplin and buster keaton and all of them marx brothers yeah that it it it, it watching people talk <laughs> and not hearing anything and i have to wonder like they must have known that that's not interesting it's not like Inherently as a creative, why why do you think that showing a conversation between two people about something? Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. And just seeing their, their lips move and you only get like one sentence of descriptive, like this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. What is engaging about that? And then you look at other stuff that's happening at the same time. Other silent films that manage so much through visual storytelling. Yeah. And not to say this film doesn't have some visual storytelling. It has some very interesting shots. And I took, some, not uh, enough. I took screenshots of a few, and I and I mean this charitably. These shots are like one every ten minutes at best. I think it, and most of it is just like <laughs> shot reverse shot of people talking. I know. The funniest part is there. There's one point where I'm like, okay, now it's getting interesting visually, and that was <laughs> when they go to Death Valley. And I'm like, over oh, three and a half hours into the movie. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I had spoilers. That's I'm not really going to recommend Greed. I think if no. you're really interested in film history, don't watch the reconstructed version. Watch the two-hour version, please. Yes, yeah, watch so you don't have to deal with the just the still images thrown in. So many still uh, images. Yeah, waste of time. Um, glad I watched it, but not necessarily. I, know, I don't even know if I'm that glad. <laughs> I, okay well just to interrupt i have you an real informed quick. opinion now yes so that's why i'm glad to interrupt you real quick about two hours into this movie i i seriously considered not finishing it reading the plot synopsis acting as if i finished it at this point i was like okay everyone always says there's a lot of people who want to start a podcast they don't understand the, the devotion it takes i'm like this is my make or break moment <laughs> This is this is where I can say I'm giving this podcast 110% or I'm saying I'm just coasting. And I gave it 110% because I finished that stupid movie. Well, I appreciate it. Oh, but continue. I hope you did it for the film history, too. Just a, maybe a little like 2% of your motivation. Uh, I'm joking. But I think for both of us, it. Only if you're interested in film history is the only application I feel this. Even this then, film there is are worthy. better movies. In the, there is. Intolerance felt like forever, and this is a whole hour longer than Intolerance. Okay, we're gonna get into spoilers, so that's that's it. I I'm struggling between Intolerance and this because Intolerance is 
made by a racist, um, but I kind of was more engaged with that yes. one. So, well, uh, okay, yes, but Intolerance also had a lot more ambition. Yeah, they built well, that Babylon set. This one has ambition as a drama. Yes, it has narrative ambition. It does not yes. have visual ambition. And for this, it needed that for a four hour long silent movie. And this yeah. is going to sound like a horrible criticism, but it's true. That main actor was so ugly. I hated looking at <laughs> I think the um, the other guy, Marcus Schuler. Yes. He, honest to God, I thought his appearance changed every other shot. It did towards the end. It it took me a while. Like, is this the same person? This is. His hair's changing. Yes. Facial, I don't know. But everyone just, <laughs> man, the 20s were a different time. <laughs> I feel so bad because the main actor, he is just large. He looks sweaty all the time. <laughs> his hair and is... Considering the lighting on those sets. Yes. Yeah. His hair is terrible. So bad. His eyebrows If ever there was a set huge. that smelled like sweat. Oh, my God. And again, it's one of those things where at the end, I'm like, oh, he looks decent with a beard. Oh, wait. Three and a half hours have already passed. It's too late. So I had always heard about the end of Greed, that it was so... Obviously, the thing that Greed is most known for is that it's black and white, except for certain things in the movie are gold, painted in gold. Oh my God, And the very end is all in gold. Yes. And I was always under the assumption, um, like, I thought this was a brilliant idea, and yet apparently this was my own idea, so let me know if you had this. I thought it was going to, like, slowly get more and more gold. No. Did you know about the gold going in? I did not. Okay, I did. I I think it was in a cinefix in a cinefix video where they're like it gets more there's more gold as yeah. it goes on and yeah. it's bathed and I thought the idiot I am giving the film more credit um, <laughs> that it was like slowly more and more as the greed built up there'd be more and more elements of gold in the frame. Yeah. Uh, but no, it just suddenly like a light switch turns on and suddenly it's all gold and and the thing that disappointed me the most about this film is it's not even all that much about greed. It really isn't. Be- okay, here's... Okay, I understand th- what this movie is trying to be about, but mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that a woman would let her life go to shit to that extent before she touched any of her gold. I understand the the movie is obsessed with this idea of greed as something you don't want to lose that is part of your identity but at what point do you not say okay i'll take some of the money out you don't need a lot like just take no you had five thousand dollars and they want to buy this house that's 35 dollars and i'm like you have five (laughs) thousand dollars also to jump back real quick on the, the yellowing i i read okay at first, I read this, you know, uh, a little synopsis on Wikipedia, not the plot synopsis, but just, you know, general information. And I, mm-hmm. I saw that, you know, uh, something that said that Eric von Straheim had like personally himself colored in these things, whatever, went frame by frame, adding the yellow. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Until I actually see it. And it looks terrible. <laughs> it looks so bad. It looks like he went over it with a highlighter. There's no there's no understanding of of lighting as far as how light is reflected off of gold surfaces it just looks so bad 
I wasn't as I was more paying attention to how boring it was, so I didn't mind as much. But it also is you know these are basic effect kind of things. I know, but two I like hours, it in principle. I do like it in principle, but two hours into it, I'm I'm well past of how boring it is. I'm looking for something of value, and I'm like, okay, this visual element is interesting, but it's botched so terribly that I'm like, okay, this could have been, you could have thought of this right before it premiered and just dotted everything with a fucking marker. <laughs> I suppose so the, f- I, I was under the impression that the film was like a much more like dramatic, like adventure, like grandiose yeah. idea of greed. Like there was going to be a treasure and the guy was trying to get at it mm-hmm. and none of that was happening. And it was more of a kind of, down-to-earth drama about how greed can like tear people's lives apart but even then it it just felt so kind of theatrical and forced and that might just be a product of the times but there's nothing wrong with it being theatrical if you can get the full weight of their performance which you can't because it's broken up by boxes oh you just watch you're just watching them silently like mouth off but it's crazy because you'll see the woman says something and then the man says something and then the woman says something and then it'll be a text from one person. It's only half of what they said. I'm like, what are they saying? At Why least- do I need to see the whole conversation? Yeah. Right. Here's the thing. I thought so much about this, the, the movie, um, the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yes. Same. That is especially towards the one end. hell of a film. It about is similar themes, particularly near the end. That is just, so much better and i have to like fully recommend like that that's a film i'd fully recommend I this one not movie. so much but if the point of developing a theme is that your audience takes away something i didn't take away anything because i felt that these characters were just stupid exactly and there's nothing i needed to take away from it the whole time i was watching this you can look at my youtube history because i watched this on youtube my watching sessions were broken up with there will be blood Uncut Gems, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. So I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, okay, interesting, but there are so many movies that do this topic of greed so much better. And I want to give credit where credit's due, but I can't see anything of worth in this four-hour movie. There's other films that we've talked about where you see the influences, but you can also see some worth. Yes. It. And I do feel bad because I like Eric von Stroheim as an actor in some films. Yes. And this is the first film I've seen that he's directed. I feel bad for the man that his film was taken away from him. You know, you mentioned The Magnificent Ambersons before. And I think The Magnificent Ambersons is a magnificent film, particularly in the first two thirds when it's fully Orson Welles. Agreed. And there's a clear division. You can kind of pinpoint the moment in the film where it kind of gets out of hand. And that's why I can... Fully enjoy that film for most uh, good two thirds of the runtime. I'm there in genius filmmaking. And then you can kind of spend the last, the end part of the film imagining what could have been. Mm -hmm. But here there's nothing but imagination. You're left with nothing but how, how has this been done better? Yeah, because with the Magnificent Ambersons, I watch it and I think, I genuinely think if Orson Welles had full creative control, that would be his masterpiece. I think there's so much in that movie that I think is brilliant. And then it gets you can tell where it gets cut out. And uh, part of what I like, why I like the movie so much is because I I feel the sense of sympathy that he was robbed, that Orson Welles was kind of ruined by the production company here. I just I I think, okay, they did the right move. (laughs) 
I can only imagine what a nine and a half hour version of this movie was like. Two hours seems perfect for this. It's probably still wouldn't be all that great, but uh, are we in spo- we're in spoiler territory, we're in spoilers, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, far. have you looked to see what the differences are? Not really. No. Okay. So the differences between the four hour version and the two hour version, they cut out the entirety of the the two old people. I forget their names. Gardner and Maxis or whatever. The they one that has out. there's a treasure that yes. she keeps talking about and it mm-hmm. doesn't talk about. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the two old people that spy on each other but never meet. Oh, with the, the their rooms used to be the same. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. They cut all that out. And they they cut out all of the one you were just talking about, the the woman who's lying about the treasure. They cut all that out. They cut out the beginning where you see uh, McTeague in his old home and his mother and his father dies. They cut all that out. Uh, They cut out the happy, the beginning of the happy marriage with him and his wife and pretty much everything that is in the still image. It's not even that much. The marriage was just so all over the place. It really was. Like I thought she was scared of him when they were dating and then they're like after their marriage and her parents are leaving. Mm-hmm. She wants to spend more time with her parents than actually go up to the bedroom with her husband, which is like, oh, well, this is a bad sign for a marriage uh, if that's what you're doing right after your. So I never got the sense that it was actually like a good marriage to begin with. So there's no like development in that. But then they there's fall no descent. Yeah. Then they fall deeper and deeper into their financial hole and suddenly they care more for each other, which I'm like, OK, that would be the well, that was only for a couple scenes. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they cut out a lot of stuff. And even when I think about what would be left over, I'm like, OK, I guess it's more watchable now, but that doesn't mean it's good. That's a good way of putting it. It's more watchable. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I was suffering through the last two hours of this movie. I did not think I would miss Salo. <laughs> I think I watched the first hour and a half on my TV solely on the film, and then I watched the rest of the film on one of my computer monitors and was doing some things on my other computer monitor. Yeah, same. And I think I, I tuned back in fully for the last half hour or so. That's where it gets a little more interesting in yeah. the Death Valley stuff. But can I just talk about the ending? Because I think the ending sucks. Sure. <laughs> I'm I'm trying I'm searching, searching my soul for what I liked about this film and trying to understand what people saw in it, what people still see in it, apparently, all the way back to 2012. And even the ending, it's interesting in theory, but the execution is just so crude and rough. And it is an interesting theory or interesting in theory, but it's so anticlimactic when you think about just where it ends. I mean, yes, you could say that he's it's it's a sort of damnation. He's in the closest thing to hell on Earth. But I don't know. It just feels like such a weird place to end end it and you can't really say he deserves to be there if it's a metaphor for like hell or something like if it's a descent into madness i don't think it's justified or earned Mm -hmm. he's just kind of a drunk oaf and he's been that since the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. there's no like moral descent or he tries to kill someone in the first two minutes of the film he throws someone off a cliff and surprising the person survives oh i forgot about that and then he kills his wife later on. Spoilers. And you can't really help but feel that he's been like that the whole time, which is fine if there's some kind of arc in the middle where he's trying to reform. But you never really get that. He's just trying to get a job. 
as a dentist. He's he's, as a he's dentist, shitty at the it. beginning. He's shitty at the end. Every every modern screenwriting book is going to talk about character arcs, character growths. What's like the charting, the beginning, and the end, and there is none really that matters. So, yeah. So, what were you saying about the ending? I don't know. It just. I understand where it fits thematically with the rest of the movie. I just feel like on a, a plot level, it's not a big enough ending to 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 end a four hour movie. I don't think there it really ends on a point of progression or big change. It just sort of dies out. And I want to know if this is the same ending as the nine and a half hour version or if this is just something that they felt like was a good time to end it. I think it. Because, I mean, death, they kind of both die at the end, so you can't really yeah. do much else. Yeah. I don't know. I guess what's with how dramatic and theatrical, I, I assume that the ending would be equally so, but the ending just sort of ends. Obviously, the implications are pretty um, uh, in line with the narrative, but ugh, I don't know. Just sort of ended. I mean, I was very happy that it was over. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of film historians say like it's the great missing movie and we touched on this earlier it's not it isn't i don't want it the magnificent amberson's the great missing movie isn't there another one i feel like um do we still have we still have all of napoleon don't we yes i'm sure there's another one yeah we'll update you in the next episode so the bfi best ones of all time list this is on it this is on critics list is it Yes, this is this is eighty seven on the adjusted critics list. So well, there's nothing about it I, I feel a director would enjoy. See, that's the thing is that I I part of me wants to think that Orson Welles didn't love this film because it was a good film. He loved it because he's like, see, somebody else gets it when the production company fucks with you. So we're talking about it. Does it deserve to be on the? No, this was. I'm I'm debating putting this at the bottom. Of the list as far as, uh, you know, ranking my enjoyment of these movies, because there are technically worse films. I I don't think I've suffered more mm. than I did with this movie. Well, hopefully this will be the bottom. I think it will be. But yeah, at least Imitation of Life was laughably bad. And at least Intolerance is only three hours. Look where we're at now. At least this shitty movie was only three hours long. <laughs> At least the silent film. So these silent films are so long. At least the racist propaganda was only three hours long. At least the, you could get enjoyment out of that because it was racist. But again, uh, yeah, done. I'm done talking about this. I'm going to forget this movie in seconds. Please tell me what's on the list for next week. So next week we have a direct a movie from the director's list. This is our, our second film, I believe. That was on both lists. Okay. Uh, let me just double check that. Yes. So the first was An Andalusian Boy was on both. Okay. And this one is The Wild Bunch. Thank God. From 1969. Uh, Sam Peckinpah. Yes. Okay. 